0: All right, take your Bibles and turn with me in your New Testaments to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be looking at two different situations and circumstances in the life of Christ, but there is something that connects the two, and we'll be taking a look at it here in just a moment. Matthew chapter 8, and we'll be looking at verses 5 down through 13. Matthew 8 verses 5 through 13. Let's all stand together if you would. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to to look on with you and we'll look on the word of God together. Beginning in verse 5 of Matthew 8, it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask, Lord, that uh, your blessings be upon the word of God as it goes forth. And Father, may may our hearts be such that the spirit of God can have his will and his way in each and every one of our hearts this morning. Lord, as you speak to us, may, may we submissively and willingly say yes to you we'll be careful to thank you and to praise you for the work that you do in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is one one account. There's another account we're going to read here in just a few moments that has to do with the Syrophoenician woman. And in in both of these accounts, uh, there's something that Jesus commended these two people for that he doesn't commend anybody else for anywhere else in, in Scripture uh, in, in the four Gospels. And that, that is that he commends this man for great faith. I find, I find this to be unusual and very, very encouraging. Uh, he never said to his own disciples who spent three and a half years with him, he never said that they had great faith. He said they had little faith. There are times when he said they had no faith. But uh, there's never a time that that, they, that he said to them that uh, they had great faith. Uh, and, and both of these people were Gentiles. If you know anything about, about the Lord Jesus and about uh, the reason why he came, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. But he f- came first and foremost to Israel and then to the rest of the world. And uh, so the, 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 uh, the, the Gentiles kind of got... Kind of got the second spot, and yet these two individuals are both Gentiles. They both believe God, and because because of the way that they did so and the the attitudes that they had, uh, the Lord commended both of them and said that they had great faith. Now, if you're not a Jew, you are automatically in the in the uh, category of Gentile, which means that. All, if not uh, most, if not all of us, are in that category. That is an encouragement to me, because uh, if it's if it's uh, two Gentiles that he he said uh, that they had great faith, and that means that it's possible for me as well. Uh, one of the things that the that the centurion did not have the advantage of, he didn't have a whole Bible like what we've got. He didn't have the upbringing that many many of you have had. Uh, uh, the other thing that that, that uh, encourages me about this whole thing is that that uh, he was really a first generation believer uh, there wasn't someone else who had necessarily uh, brought him up in, the, in in the things of God and yet he sought it out for himself and he he found the Lord Jesus Christ and then was commended for his great faith. Um, the issue, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, and, and I, I, I really believe his, his coming is a whole lot sooner than what we might even realize. Uh, I, I, you know, just with everything that's happening in this world, and you see that it's, it's not, you know, the truth is all the things that we see going on in the world today have been going on for ages. However, I've never seen the rapidity I've never seen the speed by which things are going downward uh, going on today. I've never seen it in any other time, and uh, and because of that, I really believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. And he's going to return soon, and all God's people said, uh, I, "I know you're looking forward to it too." But you know what the issue is going to be when the Lord comes back for His own? The issue is going to be faith. In fact. Uh, the the Lord Jesus said, "Will you know when He returns? Will He find faith on the earth?" And and I guess a, a, an even bigger concern than just that in general would be, will He find great faith with you, and will He find great faith with me? Uh, this this centurion was a man who was a Roman soldier. And the Romans and the Jews did not have a good relationship, to, to say the least. The Romans were, were, were uh, over the, the nation of Israel, and uh, they ruled and reigned over it. And uh, so the, the relationship between the Romans and the, and the Jewish people were not good, and particularly the centurions, because they were the ones that enacted the laws. A centurion was just simply a, a man who was over uh, in charge of a hundred men in the Roman army. His servant was sick, and he was sick of the palsy. That just simply means that it, it indicates that he had some kind of a paralysis going on, and he, it wasn't just he wasn't just sick. It says he was tormented. It says that that he was in he was in great pain. Let's let's take a look at what kind of characteristics this man had, and then we'll go over to the Syrophoenician woman and find out what, what kind of characteristics are characteristic of people that have great faith. And let, let me just say this to you this morning. Faith starts with, with trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Um, it's not coming to him to get you out of a jam. It's not coming to him To uh, to you know to to heal your lumbago, Uh, it's not coming to him for some crisis that's in your life. It's 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 coming to him. Well, there is a crisis in your life, and the crisis that that I first came to him for was the crisis that I had unforgiven sin and I was heading for hell, and and I was a sinner and I was a lost sinner. Knew that, knew that because of my sin, I deserved to go to hell for all eternity. And what a person needs to do is realize that the only way they can get their sins forgiven is by coming to Jesus Christ and trusting Him and Him alone as their Savior, believing that He died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Uh, We need to come to Him believing that what He did on that cross is all that was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins. Baptism can't take away one sin. Communion can't take away one sin. Church membership can't take away one sin. Uh, obeying the Ten Commandments cannot take away any sin. The only thing that can take away sin is what we sang about this morning. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, amen? And it's the blood of Christ that that cleanses us from all sin. And a person needs to has to come to, to him understanding that he's a sinner, understanding that they, they deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity because of their sin, turning from sin and turning to Christ and trusting and believing on him and him alone. And there needs to be a time in your life when that takes place. Jesus said when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born again. He cannot uh, see the kingdom uh, of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. In other words, if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to have two births. Obviously, you've got to have the first one in order to get here. But then, secondly, you have to have a second birth. Just like the first birth, the second birth happens at a particular time, it happens at a particular place, and it only happens once. Once you don't get born again and again and again, just like you don't get born physically again and again and again, you get born one time. You're born in, into your family and into this life and into this earth, and that's the way it is with with eternal life. Uh, you must be born again, and that's that point in your life where you realize you're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. The only way you can go to heaven is by repenting and believing on Jesus Christ and Him alone as your personal Savior. And, and simply calling out to Him and asking Him for forgiveness. And the moment a person does that, the Bible says they become born again. That's the beginning of faith in, 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 in our lives. Now, this, this centurion came to the Lord Jesus Christ for a particular need. And the need was not a need that was a need of his personally, but it was a need of one of his servants. And let's take a look at some of the characteristics of this centurion. As a Roman, he showed great respect to the Lord Jesus. If you look in Matthew 8, down in verse 6, It says, and saying, when he came to him, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. He immediately called him Lord, and he showed, showed respect unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, understand what this is. This is a Roman centurion coming to, from his standpoint, a Jewish rabbi whom they did not really get along with and asking for help. Asking for help. Um, he was concerned, and he was concerned about his servant. Uh, he knew that his servant was hurting, and he, he, he had heard evidently about the Lord Jesus Christ and that he had the ability to heal. So he, when he came, he didn't come for, for a personal need. He came on behalf of the need of another. Look down in verse 8. It says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He not only called him Lord, but he said, listen, I'm not worthy. And again, this is a Roman centurion who, as a a group of people, as centurions particularly, but Romans just overall, were very, very proud people. And yet he's coming to Jesus Christ with a humble attitude with a humble spirit. And by the way, anytime, anytime you come to the Lord, anytime you you show faith, you need to do so with humility. Salvation starts with humility, admitting that you can't do anything to get yourself saved. But the only way you can get saved is by by throwing yourself at the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the Romans looked at themselves as superior to the Jews. Jews. And yet when he came to the Lord Jesus, he had a very, very humble attitude. He came to Jesus knowing that he was unworthy, knowing he was helpless. He knew there wasn't anything that he could personally do for this, this servant. And he knew that he needed two things. He knew that he needed mercy, and he knew that he needed grace. Uh, Hebrews chapter chapter 4 and verse 16 Says, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. A person with great faith understands that they are they are helpless in and of themselves. A person of great faith understands that, that they have a need that only God can fill. And they, they realized that, that uh, they need to come to him and ask him to do something that they cannot do for themselves. He, he believed that, that there was great power in, in Christ's words. Look down in verse 8, says the, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Jesus said he was going to go to the house, and he says, no, 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 no. He says, I don't want you coming to my house. I'm not worthy of that. He said, but if you just speak the word, what he realized was, was that the words of the Savior had power. The words of the Savior were important. The words of the Savior could do things that he couldn't do for himself. And he, he, had, he had faith in those words. He, he also had an understanding of authority. Look down at verse 9. It says, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Um, He knew his place. He he said that he was a man under authority, and obviously by his explanation, he also understood that he was a man that was in authority over others. By the way, uh, you cannot be a proper person of authority unless you are a proper person under authority. If if you don't know how to respond under authority, you'll certainly not understand how to be an authority. And he was under authority. That means he was obedient. That means that he was submissive to his authority. And uh, he used the authority that he was given and he used it properly. And he knew that the Lord Jesus Christ had authority and that he would use it properly as well. Uh, He recognized and respected the authority that Christ had. And he obviously loved the folks that he was over. He loved the Jews. And we see that, uh, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 7. This is the, the second account Another account of the same story, Luke chapter seven. In Luke seven, let's just read the, the first. Uh, let's just read the first ten verses and read that account. It says now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people. Verse 1 He entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. Other people said he was worthy, but when he was confronted, he said, listen, I am not worthy. He had a humble, humble spirit. Verse 5, "'For he loved our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. "'Then Jesus went with them, "'and when he was now not far from the house, "'the centurion sent friends to him, "'saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, "'for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof.'" Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent uh, returning to the house found the servant whole that had been, had been sick. It says that up, up in verse 5, it says that he built a synagogue for the Jews. Obviously, he, he had a real heart for these people. And uh, he had a heart for others just in general because that's not something that was required of a, of a Roman centurion. And yet he, he had, the Bible says, he built a synagogue for the Jewish people. The other, the other thing that's uh, interesting is that the, this Roman centurion uh, had probably had very little spiritual history uh, or, or instruction. And yet, yet he was found by Christ to have great strength uh, and to, to have great faith, he—he he, he was, it was—it's a great encouragement for a first generation believer. Uh, you know, so oftentimes, and I know I've I've struggled with this in the past, and I know, I know other folks in our church that have have our uh, first generation Christians look at kids that are growing up in our church, look at other people that were raised in a Christian home, say, man, I wish I had that leg up. All right, well, man, I wish I had that. But here's the, here's the thing. This guy was a first generation. He didn't have history. And there is no indication that anybody sat down with him and ever showed him anything out of the Old Testament. And yet, he's one that God commended while he was on this earth and said, this guy has got great faith. He says, I've not seen such great faith, no, not in all Israel. And he got a commendation that he had not given anyone else. Now, there's another one that got the same commendation, and we'll take a look at her. She's over in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. The Syrophoenician woman, beginning in verse 21, is... um, One of my favorite characters in the Bible. I've read this story over and over and over again. And every time I read it, I'm just encouraged like crazy. Because this woman was just, she was an example of just being tenacious. She wouldn't let anything get in her way. I mean, obstacle after obstacle, and we'll take a look at what those were here in just a minute. But were, were placed in her path. And she said, I'm not letting anything stop me. My, my daughter is vexed of a devil, and she needs help. And if, if, I, if, if, I don't, if, I, if I don't make a plea with the Savior, she'll not get the help she needs. Again, she is also a Gentile. Uh, she's not a Jew. She didn't necessarily have that background. And she, she had a lot of obstacles. We'll, we'll take a look at them here in just a moment. But look with me in verse 21. Down through 28, says, Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now I want you to notice the response in verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. How'd you like to go to the Lord and say, Lord, Help me. And the essence of his answer was, no, <laughs> no. You're not, you're not Israel. Uh, that's what I came for first. You're a dog. I'm not going to give the king's uh, bread unto, unto dogs. But if, if you continue, it says, uh, it says in verse uh, 27, and she said, truth, Lord, truth, you're right. You're right, I'm a dog. The dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And you look at the obstacles that were in her way. First of all, her race. She, she was, she was uh, of, of, of a race that was looked down upon. She was a Phoenician woman. She was not a Jew, and he came first to the Jews, so that was an obstacle. Uh, she was a woman, and back in Bible times, Jewish rabbis paid very little attention, sometimes no attention, to women. They only paid attention to the men. Uh, that was the attitude that they had. The, the the devil had, had her uh, the devil had her daughter vexed with a devil. I mean that's an obstacle, uh, a huge problem in her family. Uh, the disciples wanted to send her away. Uh, they didn't want anything to do with her. They rebuffed her uh, when she cried out to Christ for help. Uh, she, she was told that she wasn't fit. She wasn't suitable. Uh, you know, Christ said, it's not fit that I should do this. Uh, and and uh, uh, he likened it unto casting the bread of the children of the king to uh, to dogs. And basically what he's saying is, you're not worth it. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, have you ever gone to God and, and there's times when it seems as though he doesn't listen to you? Have you ever gone, to, ever gone to the Lord in prayer and it seems like the heavens are brass? Now listen, they're not brass. And he is listening to you. Just like he was listening to this lady, but he was testing her. He was testing her. He wanted to see what kind of faith she had. And he found it. He found out exactly what kind she had. She had great faith. And she, she overcame all of those obstacles because she really she was, she was desperate, she knew the only answer was Christ, and she cried out to him for help, regardless of, of what the circumstances and obstacles were. What were some of the characteristics that she had? Well, first of all, she was very serious and very urgent. Look down in verse 22. Says, it says in verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. She didn't just approach him. She was crying out with a loud voice, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She didn't ask for justice. She didn't even just ask for help. She asked for mercy. And and again, that's, that's a... Uh, a signification of a person with a humble heart is when you're coming and saying, listen, I, I need mercy and I need it, I need it desperately. Uh, she was concerned for another. She didn't come on her own behalf. She came on behalf of her daughter. Uh, she, she was humble. Uh, it says that she, she worshipped him and asked for help. And, and then when she got the answer, she immediately agreed and said, that's right, I'm a dog. But even the dogs get the crumbs. Will you please give me some crumbs, basically, was what she said. And she was persistent. She she was one that just really wouldn't take no for an answer. The Bible calls that importunity. In other words, when you go to God and you go to God and you go to God and you just don't quit, you don't let anything get in your way from the request, That you have. And she was, you know, given all kinds of reasons to be discouraged. But yet she knew the only answer that she had for the dilemma that, that was facing her was standing in front of her. And if she didn't get his attention, she was done. By the way, that's the same kind of attitude you've got to have when you come to Christ as your personal savior. And he saves your soul. You become born again. He washes you clean and gives you forgiveness of sins. You've got to come to him with the ideas. This isn't one of the cures. This is it. This is the only opportunity I have to to have my sins forgiven. I've got to have mercy. And that's exactly what she was crying out and asking for. Now, if you compare these two, both the centurion and the woman, Came on behalf of others. Have you ever thought of this? What if they what if they didn't? What if they, what if they didn't believe? Who would have suffered? They wouldn't have. But the servant would have. He'd have died. The girl would have. She would have continued to be vexed by a devil. But it was somebody else who interceded. On their behalf, and that was the that was the centurion, and that was the the Syrophoenician woman. Both of these folks had great faith, and one of the reasons why their faith was so great was because it wasn't it wasn't something that they were concerned about for them. They were concerned on behalf of of someone else. And there's two things in in Scripture. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Two things in in the four Gospels that. Uh, caused Christ to marvel. Go backwards again to uh, Matthew chapter 8, if you would. Matthew chapter 8. And look in verse 10. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10. It says in, in Matthew eight ten, speaking of the centurion, it says when, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. In other words, when he heard that, uh, he said, you know, don't, don't, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy of you to come to my house. You just speak the word. My servant will be healed. He says, when Jesus heard it, when he heard that, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He, sa- he says it caused him to marvel. He marveled at that. And there's another thing that he marveled at. Go to Mark chapter 6. And these are the only two things that while he was on this earth that the scriptures say that he marveled at. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, look in verses 5 and 6. This is Jesus going to Nazareth, and it says in verse 5, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. Two things marveled Jesus Christ. One was belief and great faith. He marveled at that. The other one was unbelief. In fact, it says that uh, he could do there no mighty work. Uh, He had a desire to do some things, but but he couldn't. You know, I, I often wonder, what, where do I usually fall? Which one of those two categories? Is it that he marvels at my belief because I trust him? Or is he marveling at my lack of belief and lack of faith? Because he wants to do great things in our lives, but oftentimes he doesn't just simply because Our our faith and our belief is not what it ought to be. Both of these individuals were commended, and they were commended for the great faith. Great faith people have some characteristics. Number one, a great faith person is confident that God has the answer. Uh, You know, what kind of faith do you have? Have you got great faith? First of all, have you trusted Christ as Savior? Do you have great faith that he could save your soul and give you total forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, and forgive you of all your sins and give you eternal life? Are you absolutely positive that if you were to die today that you go to heaven? If not, you need to come to him with great faith and trust him and him alone as Savior. Just a moment. We're going we're gonna to have an invitation and the uh, invitation at the end of our services is at the end of the sermon. And we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And the whole idea is, is if you've got a need, you come to the altar and talk to God. But maybe one of you, maybe the greatest need you have right now today is that you're not saved. You don't know that your sins are forgiven. You don't know that if you died today that you go to heaven. You can get that thing settled. You can get it settled before you leave these premises. And the way that you do that is by trusting Jesus Christ and him alone as your, as your Savior. But you've got to come with a confidence that he is the only one with the answer. And in these two situations, that was the heart that they had. Now, that's true with salvation. That's true also in the Christian life. When we come to God in faith, we, we need to come with the understanding that God has the answer and, and come confidently. We need to come humbly. A person that has great faith is humble. They realize they're not worthy. You know, sometimes sometimes I think we go to God and, and and ask for things and expect him to answer our prayer because well, we've behaved ourselves pretty well here lately. That's not the basis. The basis is we're unworthy. And we need to come with a humble heart and say, look, I'm not even worthy to to an answer to prayer. I'm coming for mercy. I'm coming for grace. Grace is the resources of God outside of my realm. I I, I, I don't have what it takes. I need mercy. I need grace. And that that comes with a humble heart. Uh, Another thing that, that great faith people have, they have a concern for others. These folks were concerned about two other people, and if they had... Listen, uh, the, the key to the daughter's dilemma was the mom's faith. The key to the servant's dilemma was the centurion's faith. And they, they, uh, uh, they, they both had a concern for others, and that's one of the reasons why they had such great faith, Um, Another characteristic of a person with great faith, they have an understanding of authority and uh, of of their authority and of God's authority. And they understand the pecking order. Uh, They're under authority and where they have authority, they use it properly and they understand that. A person of great faith believes that God has power to meet the most difficult needs. And not only he can, but if if we'll implore him, he will. A, a person of great faith is always respectful, but definitely persistent. Um, you know, you can't find any disrespect in the in the attitude that that Syrophoenician woman had. Uh, she came, and she knew she was on the wrong end of the uh, of the of the balance scale. She knew that that. Uh, you know she was not wanted she was she was not the one that Jesus Christ came for he came for Israel and and yet she she had respect she called him lord she worshiped the centurion had the, had the same attitude he said listen i'm not worthy he had a respectful attitude and uh, but it's respect with persistence uh, neither one of them was willing to quit and then last of all a person with great faith is believing God in spite of the circumstances the circumstances were awful you know the, the, the servant was going to die scripture says so he was heading for death the the uh, the the uh, daughter was tormented by a devil and there was absolutely no hope or or relief in sight but they knew that 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 God could do something in spite of the greatness of the circumstances. These two people were commended. They were commended for their faith. God said, listen, you have great faith. My question to you this morning is, how's your faith? Where does it stand in God's sight? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. In just a moment, we're going to pray, and we're going to have an invitation, but before we do that, I want to just ask you a simple question. Actually, a couple of questions. Number one, are you absolutely positive today that if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you look back to a time in your life when you were born again, when, when you trusted Christ? As your personal Savior, you realize you're a sinner on your way to hell. The only way you could go to heaven is cry out to God for mercy. He saved your soul and gave you, at that moment, eternal life. If you know that for sure, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if you'd just raise your hand as a testimony of that fact. Say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know for sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven because I've trusted him as Savior. All right, thank you. You Put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest and say, I don't know that for sure? And I know it's a need in my life. Would you please, preacher, pray for me? I count it a privilege to be able to pray for you. And just by an uplifted hand, I'll see who you are, and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that here this morning? Say, Pastor, here's my hand. I don't know that for sure. I'd like to know that for sure. I'd like to get that thing settled. Would you please pray for me? All right? You're here this morning. God has on your heart score. You obviously, because you're saved, you obviously have faith. You had to have faith to get saved and trust Christ as Savior and get your sins forgiven. But how's your faith right now? Do you have that humble heart? Do you have that confidence in your God? Have you got that tenacity? Or do you pray for something for a while and then you let it slip? And your, your your faith needs some work on you know one of the one of the uh, prayers that the disciples uh, prayed to the Lord and asked the Lord for they he, he simply said, increase my faith and you're hurting in that area a little bit and God's spoken to your heart about it this morning and you'd like me to pray for you Anyone like that here this morning all right see that hand see that hand see that one over here? All right, let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for folks that are Warm to preaching. Folks that enjoy hearing from you. Lord, they didn't hear from me this morning. They heard from you. All I was was a messenger. Father, your, your word has a way of doing a work in our hearts that nothing else can do. I pray, Lord, first and foremost, for anyone that might be here without Christ as Savior. If they were to die today, they're not absolutely positive that they'd go to heaven. In fact, if they died today because their sins are not forgiven, they go straight to hell. And That's a horrible thing. I don't even like to think that. I don't like to, to say that, but it's true. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, if there's anyone like that here this morning, that they would come forward and just take my hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. What a thrill it would be to put them with someone and have them take them and show them through the word of God how they can get that thing settled for all eternity. Lord, there are some that have raised their hands and said that you've spoken to their hearts about some things having to do with faith. Lord, I pray that decisions would be made for you today. And Lord, we'll be careful that we praise and honor you. Give these folks that raise their hands the the strength, the understanding, the resources that they need. To be able to, to, and I know you will, and I know they're already there for them, to increase their faith. Father, our desire is that we have great faith before you. Lord, speak to our hearts, and as you do, may we say yes to you this morning. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.